right, square up, boys. Hey, everybody, welcome to the Brothers the Hunt podcast. This is a podcast that details the adventures of three idiots that learn to hunt their 20s. I, of course, am your favorite host, Matt. I'm not an idiot. I'm Mike. I'm the host that tells the truth. I'm J.E. I'm the best looking host. Just want to reiterate, I'm not an idiot. That was mean. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> John Elliott, you are whatever we say you are. When we call on you, you can answer the question. I, I think you mistake me as someone who's submissive. I won't take this. I'll sign off right now. You won't. <laughs> uh, no, you're right. I won't. Hey, guys, I got to tell you. We are super grateful for everybody who's been following us on Instagram, everybody who's been following us on social media, downloading new episodes of the podcast. Welcome to Brothers of the Hunt Nation. You're getting in on the ground floor, the early episodes, the good years before we get we totally sell out and everything. This is the time to join. <laughs> you know, this this is it. You guys are getting in at the best we'll ever be. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think there's room for improvement. There this is, is peak male performance, John Elliott. <laughs> You might not like how it looks, but this is how it is. You might not like how it looks, but this is what it sounds like. <laughs> you know, maybe I should just change my sign on to uh, I'm the most humble because that's uh, kind of how yeah. it sounds right now. <laughs> uh, I don't like that. Oh, you're bragging about how humble you are. Very appropriate. Ooh, so humble. <laughs> hey, but there are benefits to listening to this show. Are there not, gentlemen? Uh, yeah. Boundless. You can learn how to... Uh, uh, make your own food and have fun doing it too. That's true. That's the biggest benefit. Last month, our episode, which was just giving all the dirty secrets of the deer biology, how to how to use that to your advantage. I have kind of a little background story about the the fallout from that episode. You guys want to hear it? Let's have it. Ugh, fine. So this is after we did the episode, and like you know, we just revealed all of all of the secrets on how to use the deer's you know sense of smell and and sight and hearing to our advantage i was thinking about you know just how brutal this season is going to be for the white-tailed deers across the nation they're gonna get killed yeah all all the hunters are going to be able to just take just so heavily advantage of the situation a few days after we recorded i settled down had my glass of chocolate milk and i went to sleep I had just this buck wild dream that as a result of our podcast, all the deers had gotten together and they said, okay, humans, listen, like you've, you've, you've crossed the line. Were they talking in English or were they yes, just, yeah, kinda, they, they uh, came they, uh, like a, a council of deer came grunting forward. at you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's they, how you know it's serious. <clears throat> they sent a delegation to like the state legislature and we had, we really had to talk it out. And they're like, listen, guys, <laughs> if if you guys are going to have all of these advantages on us, then we, we get to hunt you too. And we were like, all right, fine deer. And then, and then like nothing happened. And we were like, okay, the deer went back to the woods, I guess. And then like, there were stories about people disappearing here and there, here oh, and no. there. Yeah, and I was like, well, wait, 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 are the deer getting us? What's happening? Anyway, the three of us then went out to Coles one day to get some khakis. Cause that's what we do boys. Right. Coles, huh? Khakis <laughs> and collared shirts. Yeah, we had we had a big we had a big like golf convention to go to, and we had to be well prepared. Mm. We, were, we were talking about like, man, I wonder where like all these like all these deers are like get like getting people, and then all of a sudden, one of the mannequins stepped down off a podium, took a shotgun out, and blast a family of four in the stomach, and they all just scattered. The dad went down. <laughs> It was, and the, the mannequin pulled off the mask and it was a deer underneath the mask the whole time. <laughs> so, I was terrified. So, so I'm going to stop you. I'm going to stop there was, you there. There was nothing we could do. He had the tags for him. <laughs> so not only are you saying deer decided to hunt us, but they went through whatever governing body that delegated seasons for human beings and picked up tags. Khaki season. Yep. Matt, I have a few I have a comment about that horrific scenario you just painted for us all. Yeah. There are people to talk to, and there's even some medicine that you could take to help whatever's going on, buddy. Oh, yeah, you're probably that right. That is hilarious, by the way. No, that's really funny. Yeah, I remember waking up, and I was like, that was terrifying. But, <laughs> but I get it, dear. I get it. I'd feel the same way. <laughs> um, this is a good time to say that 
some side effects of hunting and uh, harvesting an animal might have some uh, adverse effects on your <laughs> psychological some health. <laughs> more than others, as our own favorite host has painted for you. I, hey, yes, hey, 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 I was I was like this before. Hey. I mean, he's actually <laughs> absolutely right. We can't really fault him for, yeah, can't. for being how he is normally. This isn't mad deer disease. This is yeah. just mad. Mad, 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 mad disease. Yeah, mad, mad disease. Yeah. He had taint, um, he had tainted meat last season. That's no, so I didn't. Oh, no. I mean, probably not. So today, today we wanted to focus on a subject that I think for new hunters is really intimidating. It was really intimidating for me. I can't speak for my compatriots here, but field dressing a deer. What do we mean by field dressing? I mean, taking the mushy bits out. There are a lot of reasons to field dress your animal before packing it out. And that's kind of what we're going to go over today. Kind of some of the basics around it. We're going to give you guys some good tools you can go look at to kind of get a better visual on how to field dress. Cause we know this is a podcast. And even though you guys want to see us so badly, mm-hmm. we don't want that because we're all super ugly. Except for me. Yeah. Out of the three, it's like, it's like saying one turd looks better than two other turds. It's, it's still a turd. When we first started field dressing a deer, it was extremely helpful to have someone there who had done it before. 100%. I think all of us had somebody there who had done it before. But if you know that you're not going to have that person there, you need to bone up on this stuff ahead of time. You cannot try. Bone. Uh, you cannot <laughs> watch a YouTube video like while the deer is laying there. Time is of the essence. So make sure if if you know you're not going to have somebody who can do it for you, and you know the game processing center that you're going to take the deer to to get processed, if that's what you're choosing to do, if they require that the deer be gutted first, then you need to be familiar with what you're going to have to do before you start. And if you're a first-time hunter, this is an intimidating thing because you've got like a, a thousand new skills, you, skills you're going to have to learn when you're going. But this one, I feel, is something that is going to pay dividends if you're prepared ahead of time to do. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. So just grab your knife and start cutting, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but before we get into cut, so what is the purpose of field dressing? Jay, can you speak to that a bit? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I've just been voluntold by you. So I guess I'll have to you know, speak up on it. I'm, I'm tired of your quietness. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, you know, uh, I'm, my That's... mind is just racing. I don't know what to say. I'm a little nervous, breaking a sweat, just a little bit. John oh, is the angsty host. He's so angsty. He's so yeah, he's no longer stubborn. the best looking. Mm. <sighs> that forehead really sweat week. and the upper lip sweat is really taken away from the best looking host. I, I've had a really long week at work. <laughs> we didn't ask. Uh, well, I'm sharing anyway. It's a podcast. <laughs> it's it's for sharing. <laughs> Tell us why, damn uh, you. Tell us why. <laughs> <laughs> so actually gutting a deer. Um, it's important What's the purpose? To, to get those guts out of there before meat gets contaminated. Um, now, usually during the uh, hunting season, unless it's some crazy odd uh day with wild weather usually it'll be pretty cool outside so it gives you a lot more time as far as the meat is concerned but you still want to get those organs out of there because uh you know that that'll just make things stinky and not taste good especially if you have a less than perfect shot for instance let's say it was a gut shot and then you had to shoot him again or her, whatever, doesn't matter. You know, that would really make time of the essence be of the essence. What, what am I trying to say? Say it again. You heat is your enemy. The cold is your friend and time is not on your side. Exactly. That's not to say that as soon as you shoot a deer and as soon as it dies, you have to immediately cut it open. Um, we're not talking that fast there, but if you don't have the luxury of having a four-wheeler or a golf cart or just something to actually get that deer out of the woods quickly and over to the place that you're actually going to be cleaning the, the, the deer, then really you do want to go on ahead and get the deer while it's in the woods, basically just to save the meat. 
let me pause right there. I'm trying to gather my thoughts here. Uh, oh, that, that, that's a good re- start, dude. You really caught me off guard there. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You son of a bitch. I guess we should have read the outline, John Elliott. Oh, okay, oh shit. That's what I don't have up. I don't have that. Oh, I, oh my gosh. <laughs> you are still raw dogging these things like that animal you are. <laughs> yes, Matt, we're taking I a vote. Hey, I'll hand dog. say I to kick John Elliott out. I. I. <laughs> He's gone. Go ahead and get off. We got this. <laughs> You're despicable. Daddy's hey, home now. Daddy like, is home. Too hot like to handle, was, baby girl. Dude, that had to be pretty good for not uh, looking at an outline. I, I mean, see, I don't have to look at an outline. You just tell me a topic to talk about, and I will. It may not gee, sound pretty, but I'm, I'm adding some bullet points. Um, you've got to sound pretty. That's the whole thing. <laughs> Part of sound pretty is continuity of ideas, which helps when you have an outline about. I want to punch you in the face. <laughs> Uh, I am going to blame it on the whiskey here. All right. uh, So in summation, we want to get the guts out because that is going to keep the meat from getting contaminated. It is also going to let the animal cool down much, much faster because you're opening up the surface area, pulling out a lot of the the captured heat that is contained within the internal organs of the deer. And obviously, once you separate pieces, you increase the surface area versus volume of the thing that you're working on, it's going to exchange heat much more efficiently with its environment. If you have a nice, cool day, then getting your deer gutted open quickly is going to be a big benefit. Let's say it's an early season hunt. Most typically, these are archery seasons. If you're hunting in September, October, it could still be quite warm. There could be like a hot spell or something, depending on where you're hunting. And it's so important if the temperature is, you know, higher in the 50s, 60s, sometimes even the 70s, you've got to get that meat refrigerated as quickly as you can, or it's going to start to spoil. Yep, I agree. Now, if you do end up having to gut a deer out in the woods, one really important thing to do is... If you have tarps with you, that is awesome because you want to keep the meat clean because as soon as you get any type of dirt or leaves or just anything like that on the meat, it's next to impossible to get it off. So another good reason you want to field dress your deer, um, aside from what my compatriots have said, heart meat is delicious. Liver is delicious. If you leave it inside the deer, it will rot. Uh, it's important to get that meat out and to cool it up quickly so you're able to preserve it, especially in those kind of September, early October hunts. It's um, it's going to be warmer. I mean, it can be 70, 80 degrees, depending on where you are. So into September, I'm heading out on an urban hunt to start the season off. I'm really excited about it, but it also changes the time uh, you need to take into consideration for field dressing. If it's warmer outside, you want to get that meat out sooner rather than later. If it's like, if you're in Michigan, it's like below freezing, you got some time. It should still be a priority, but you have some time. Regardless, the first thing to come out of the deer are the internal organs. But that's not to say that all of these are all of this is just stuff that you can't use or need to throw away. Some of the best day of meals are internal organs. I think everyone here is partial to the heart steaks. Mm, love it. Just slice up, you know, clean out, clean the blood out of the heart, slice it up like a little uh, steak medallions and, you know, sear them up. (laughs) Very, very tasty. But another thing that is very popular is liver and onions and then also kidneys. I don't I don't think we've ever really done kidneys, but I understand a lot of people enjoy it. I have never had kidney. I'm not opposed to trying it. I've just never had it. It's pretty good. All of these are day of kill meals. I think I, I can't think of a scenario more satisfying than having a kill in the morning coming back and like having some heart steaks for lunch that that just sounds like amazing to me it is delicious little salt little pepper maybe some onions thrown in there stop it and if you're feeling extra motivated the heart can actually be eaten raw now you still want to get all that blood out of there and clean it i think it was my second deer that i killed we actually tore out of it uh, and I continued to clean deer and one of my buddies went inside, cleaned the heart, cut it up and marinated it for like only five minutes or so in some soy sauce and Worcestershire sauce and a oh. uh, couple of other spices. 
and then came back out. He didn't cook at all. I was pretty nervous to try it, but once I did, I mean, it was delicious. Little heart tartar, huh? Yeah, heart tartar. So you can do that if you want. If not, that's totally fine. Just cook it up in a skillet with a little bit of oil. It's just as good. We went over a little bit about kind of our thoughts um, starting out, not knowing really much about field dressing and pros of having someone who's field dressed a deer before with you during the hunt. What are some things that you might need to field dress a deer? Well, you're definitely going to need a, uh, a gut hook. Um, now, you can get by without one and just use your uh, regular butt knife or you've got the actual gut hook makes it so much easier when it comes to avoiding a puncture of the actual gut. I think it was last season. We all experienced that with um, <laughs> Mike's deer. <laughs> oh my, yeah, no, that, that was, this is, yeah, yeah. That was like two, this, two years ago, two or three years ago. So with Mike's deer, and this is not to say anything about the way that he was working it up. It will happen to you. You will puncture a gut, even with a gut hook and all the proper tools, it's, it's just going to happen. And when you puncture a gut, it is putrid. It is such an awful smell. It doesn't smell good. Yeah. You want to avoid that as much as possible and having the right tools to do the job will give you the best chance of avoiding that. Just to give some context to people who may not be aware. So one of the first steps, as we said, was to get the guts out. So the lower intestines, colon, all those things. But the way to get it out typically is you you make like an incision uh, on the deer's abdomen. But the idea is to cut through the outer layer of skin, uh, tissue, and muscle. Just a very, very thin layer is this over top of the guts. And the idea is to just cut just barely through that and not to nick the intestines, which are right below this. It's very easy to do that with a knife experienced hunters. If you do this a couple of times, eventually you do get a feel for it and you do get the technique down to avoid doing it. But one of the tools is a hook, basically a knife that is shaped like a fish hook so that you are more so pulling the skin up and away from the intestines as you're cutting it, as opposed to like pushing down into the intestines. The scenario that we were talking about, the person who was showing us how to clean the deer, he just uh, straight up Kali mod the knife and just went right down <laughs> to the guts and just like, you know, just sawed up to, cu to cut through the, um, you know, the outer lining of the deer's abdomen. So that, that, that was one approach. It certainly was faster, but and it worked fine. <laughs> it it um in the grand scheme of things, like it, we we got the uh, we got the animal after we gutted it, um to where we were going to work it up because we were going to take it to a processor and we were we were able to hang it up, kind of scrape some of that crap out, spray it down with some cold water, let it drip dry, and then we were able to get the meat off. So it all really just depends on what your day plan is going to be, and we'll get into that a little bit later. It's fine if you got some running water. If you're going to have to like drive that deer a little ways to get processed, then you know maybe don't puncture the intestines if you can avoid it. Right. Yeah. The, the whole like if we had to drive home one point about field dressing, just do your best not to puncture the guts. Uh, it will ruin your meat, and um, the whole point is to get food, and you don't want to ruin it with something that is easily um, preventable with a little bit of technique, a little bit of how to. I think a lot of that comes from positioning the animal. And we'll go over that a little bit here in a few minutes. Like John Elliott and Matt said, gut hooks are fantastic tools. Having between the three of us, we feel dressed here with gut hooks without. When you get the technique that you want with the tool that you want, it's very, very easy. I would encourage you to try a few different techniques and find what works for you. As far as positioning the animal, lay the animal on its back. And that is way easier said than done. And it's also way easier when you're hunting with a friend, especially over the last couple of years, we've all had that experience where, you know, we hear the shot, you get that text deer down. It's awesome. There are hoorays and hurrahs. Then everybody tries to make their way toward the sh where the shot came from so they can help with the field dressing process. Cause it is a pain in the ass mm -hmm. to, to field dress by yourself. 
Is it doable? 100%. You can do it. It is not that bad. It's just way easier with somebody else. And deer are just so inconsiderate in, in where they decide to, to expire. They'll, they'll run down a hill or, or just be down in the bottom of a, of a ditch or something. And it's going to take two or three guys to get, a, get the deer pulled out. Dude, I would like to add that if you do have the luxury of having some type of vehicle to load up that deer or tow the deer, out of the woods and directly to the place that you're going to be working that deer up. There is a process that makes gutting even easier. And that is hanging the deer by its head. Now, most people are used to hanging it by its hindquarters. Um, you just take a gamble roll and you would put it in between the tendons on their, on their hindquarters and do it that way. However, most of the time when you're getting a deer, it'll all come out in one package it's all connected basically the thing you're grabbing onto to get all these guts out in one in one fell swoop is the esophagus the windpipe so if you have it hanging by the head then you can basically get a big old bucket and put that bucket right underneath the uh, deer and once you cut those organs loose from the diaphragm and actually get it uh, disconnected from the deer's body, you can you can get a firm grasp on that windpipe and then just take it all out right there and then put it in the bucket and it just makes for a much less messy gutting of a deer. It's also super convenient. All right, so the goal is to pull out the internal organs in one big bundle, but in order to get to that point, we have to get the deer suitably prepared. So that means separating the deer from its internal organs at the top, at the bottom, and everywhere in between. The place that we usually start is actually at the bottom of the deer. After we've uh, cut through the tissue covering the abdominal cavity, uh, the next step is to actually remove the colon in a way that safely uh, leaves the meat uncontaminated. So you want to leave the poop in the poop tube, and that's what we're going to talk about next. Ugh. He has such a way with words, doesn't he? There's no good way to talk about it, so we're just going to talk about it. So you want to keep the colon and the anus intact, and there are a couple ways to do that. So you just have a knife and nothing else. And honestly, you really don't need anything else to field dress a deer. You're going to want to cut a coring hole in the colon of the deer. So to do that, you're going to take your knife, and you're going to cut a circular cut around the anus to separate it from the rest of that skin. This is going to keep the anus intact, because if you puncture the anus, poop's going to get all in the meat. You don't want that. Another tool that you can use and something I'm a huge proponent of is the butt out tool. It's awesome. And again, I feel as though before we mention any of these products, we feel it necessary to say we're not sponsored by anybody. This is the stuff we like to do and use, but we could be sponsored. So if you know somebody, make it happen. But the butt out tool is something you insert into the deer's anus. You turn it and it catches the colon. And then you literally just pull the colon out. It is not pretty but none of this is. It, it keeps the colon intact so the poop and all the innards don't contaminate the meat around it. Basically like a barbed little plug that goes up there and it, it, it looks extremely unpleasant and you use it for exactly what you think it, it would be used as when you see it. It's, um, at least the one you have, Mike, comes in a very convenient shade of blaze orange, which is very convenient. You don't want to lose it. No, you don't want to lose it. We managed to do that. All, yeah, we almost did. on a couple times. I, I actually, you know what? I think we, I think that we need to take a beat here and talk about this. I think any of the future tools I'm going to buy for field dressing a deer are all going to be blaze orange. If I can, if I can arrange for that to happen, mm -hmm. but minus that knife. Yeah, minus the like the knife is is like meant to be lost is the color scheme. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy to lose, man. You got to especially you got to pack with all kinds of stuff in it, man. Green and dark brown is is the color of the knife, and that's very inconvenient for this. But I think honestly, like if I all the future knives I'm gonna buy for dressing a deer, all of them are just I'm gonna try to contrive to have them have blaze orange handles so that it's like oh where'd the knife go? There it is, <laughs> you know. I think blaze orange duct tape or something like that, but it is easy to lose, but it's also, I mean, you guys are going to find what you like to use and it's going to be just the, like the way you want to go. It, I think we've all kind of deviated from what we started with, but it all accomplishes the same goal. So I know I mentioned it before, but find stuff that you enjoy, like that you're competent with using and to stick with it. Absolutely. All right. So you've separated the anus and the colon from the interior of the deer's pelvis. So we have a hole in, in the abdominal cavity. 
and the pelvis at this point, you've probably cut a little bit of connective tissue away to open the pelvis up a little bit to make it easier to work on it. So the next step, and before we get on that, um, one way to really help you out as far as opening the legs go, if you have a, a pair of hedge trimmers, you can just take that right to the hip bone and just crunch right through it, and then you won't have any issues. The next step from there is you want to get all those organs separated from the diaphragm. Now, the diaphragm is that little thin flap that connects these uh, organs to the rib cage. And even though it's really, really thin, it's very strong. So when you take your knife to it, it really doesn't take much. You can just let your knife do all of the work, but you have to work your way all up and down the rib cage. If you don't, it's next to impossible Yes, to, to pull the guts out. Exactly. So once you get that disconnected that's when you grab onto the windpipe and make sure that you're holding on to the windpipe before you completely disconnect the diaphragm or else everything's just all the mushy bits are going to slop right onto the floor um, and it's not going to be a good time so once you have a hold of that windpipe and you get it completely disconnected it quite literally all just comes out and once you get it out depending on the shot that you took and how much damage it did to the deer's innards there's probably going to be a lot of blood that is pulled up inside of the carcass so you want to position it in a way that will drain that blood um, as quickly as possible now if you're gutting that animal in the woods you there's multiple ways you can do it if you've got a buddy you can have him or her uh, help you to lift the animal in such a way that it will drain or if you're alone you can very carefully put the deer on its belly the thing i don't like about that however is you know there's during deer season there's a lot of leaves and dirt on the ground so if you do that you're pretty likely to get your meat contaminated with you know pieces of leaves and everything like that which you can get off but I, it's going to take so much time to get every little piece of dirt off of there. It's, it's just, it's not worth it. Your connective tissue turns into like fly paper. Once it gets yes. exposed to air, it's very sticky. Um, it's not always like dried blood or, or wet blood or anything like that, but it, it, it is very, very sticky and all those leaves, everything that's on the ground is going to just, just be adhered to it immediately. Yes. And it's the same thing with deer. It's actually worse with uh, deer fur. Um, every, each individual hair. Uh, uh, <laughs> you'll, so, still, you'll still be picking that deer fur out of your like frozen deer packages once <laughs> when you're pulling them out of the freezer four months later. <laughs> like it's Yes. So we'll, we'll touch on that a little bit later. As far as the gutting process goes, it could be done fairly quickly, just as long as you are making the proper cuts really it's just it's connected by a diaphragm and two ends of the deer top end and the butt end john elliott at what point should the hunter expect to be cutting through the rib cage would they need to do that if they're just field dressing it or if they're going on to the next step of butchering to make it easier to get up to the windpipe you can you can take like a bone saw or even just a regular saw and just saw through that rib cage. Obviously, you're most likely not going to have that while you're in the woods. So it can be done without splitting the rib cage as far as the gutting process goes. But when you go to actually process your own meat, that's when you're going to need to uh, crack that thing open. And they make tools to hold the rib cage open once you actually do cut through that sternum and i actually don't know what it's called let me let me research that real quick okay i'm pretty sure it's just called a rib spreader now this is this is for when you're actually butchering correct do we make that basically what i was trying to say is you could do it for both yeah it makes it easier to get the esophagus out but it's not it's not necessary yeah. yes okay. it, it makes it easier when you're actually trying to get that rib cage open you don't have to do that in order to gut a deer 
but it makes it easier to reach the esophagus and it also makes it easier to reach that diaphragm and be able to see what you're doing and cut everything away. But most likely you're not going to have that saw or something that can cut through that rib cage if you're gutting out in the woods. Um, so it's not essential, but it does make things a lot easier, but eventually, yes, you will have to, uh, open up the rib cage. Yeah. And if you have a, if you have a buddy there with you, then it makes it a lot easier. You could, they could just lend a hand to help keep open the rib cage. So it's not, it's not a hundred percent necessary, but like everything else, it's just to your taste. Yes. And they do, they do make portable rib spreaders too. The, they come in a little carrying pouch once you actually get it open you have your buddy hold it open and you can it's just this pivoting two pieces of metal and they'll latch on to either side of the uh, rib cage and it'll hold it open really makes things a lot easier something we forgot to mention when we were mentioning tools necessary or just tools that are convenient for field dressing a little saw like a little portable saw is really really convenient i think the one i have is from gerber it was like 30 bucks it's probably in total what the handle, maybe five or six inches, makes it really easy to saw through that sternum so you can spread it, find the esophagus, cut it, and rip those guts out. Mm -hmm. You can use, I think, Matt, you touched on it an episode or two back. You can use like a larger knife to do it, and it works really well. The saw also works really well. Um, I find the saw a little more intuitive because I'm weak. Yes, you are. Just there's something to keep, hey. Keep it down. <laughs> I just like to use my big knife and just through the ribs, you know, just, just viking in through the ribs. Matt, are you okay? You want to talk about it? Uh, you and know, this is something you want to go over with us. <laughs> it's just you know another another uh, symptom of of just being me, you know, just and another episode of Matt's head. Every, every year, I got I got to bust through one rib cage to keep me level, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Viewers, he is okay. He is joking. <laughs> I'm speaking ironically, everybody. Okay. <laughs> Jeez, ow. Uh, but the, the Gerber Vital Pack saw, like I'm, I'm just I'm just looking it up because I wanted to. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> that thing you have, Mike, is super useful. And it's got a really convenient uh, handle that's like perpendicular to the saw blade. So you can just kind of rip it like a like a lawnmower rip cord up through the ribs. So super it, easy to lose. As we mentioned, that's why it's blaze orange. Got to get that blaze, boy. <laughs> Even then, we lost it. <laughs> yep, that's true. Got imagine, buried by leaves. Imagine if it wasn't blaze orange, it would have true. It would have truly been gone. Yeah. What if it was like field green? I would never found it again. It'd still be sitting in the woods. All this being said, everybody, it is. I know we've mentioned a lot of different steps. When you get good at this. It will take you under five minutes, nine times out of ten. It is not bad. If you know you're cutting, if you know the anatomy of a deer, it does not take long to field dress your deer. And it's a vital part of harvesting the meat that you hunted the deer for. Obviously, an audio medium is not the best way to convey information about how to field dress a deer. It's like the worst. We're so sorry. <laughs> I guess <laughs> there isn't a worse way to do it than through purely audio. Thankfully, the internet has many resources, and we are but one of them. And so in this case, we hope to guide you to some more information that you can reference more quickly. With this episode coming out on Tuesday, in the post announcing the episode is live, you will find a couple of YouTube links to those not already introduced to Meat Eater. They are a treasure trove of information as well as really, really good videos. So we'll have a couple of links up for y'all there. So be on the lookout for that. So when this episode goes live, you'll see a post on Instagram announcing the episode, as well as some really helpful YouTube videos going over how to field dress a deer. We might even throw one in there on how to completely butcher your own deer, but we'll get into that in another episode. These YouTube videos are brought to you by Meat Eater. We are in no way affiliated with Meat Eater. They are awesome. Uh, they are a treasure trove of information, and we encourage everyone who listens to go on their website, look them up on YouTube. It's a lot of really good information. That's how we get a lot of our information and how we learn how to hunt in our Instagram or on our Instagram page, as well as that post announcing the episode. If you're not following us on Instagram already, what are you doing? I mean, come on, guys and gals and hunters. It's 2022, people. It's come 2022. It it's time to get on the ground floor, Brothers of the Hunt Nation. You don't want to be on the wrong side of history here once, you know, we take over everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're going to want to be on the ground floor because at the end of this episode, we have a really cool announcement. 
it's going to be really, really cool. That's true. Oh my gosh. Uh-huh. Something to look forward to. Wink, wink. Hint, hint. We're not, we're not, I'm not going to take over anything. I don't want, I don't want to run anything. You guys don't take nope, it. You seriously. already said it. You said oh, it. Nope. You got to be about it. Putting you on the I, ballot. Ah, I am not going to fulfill any of my campaign promises. I can tell you right now. <laughs> well, Matt, don't so, worry. Uh, Mike and I will we'll just pick up the slack like we always do. Don't worry about it. It's, it's, it's nothing like real life, Matt. It's okay. We'll take care of it. Um, <laughs> but with that, guys, I think it's a good idea to get into Tales from the Trails and kind of go over our first field dressing experiences for y'all because they were full of mistakes. We got it. We got just let me give it some air. Damn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> excited man tales from the trails we got them we, we got the tales from the trails they're everywhere we're going to talk about my very first deer uh she was a beautiful beautiful big fully grown doe fat she was very fat she's Unfor- fat unfortunately my shots had uh, my shot had completely destroyed much of the two front uh, shoulders, but what remained, like this deer, what, what do you think, guys? Maybe like over 100 pounds, 120 pound deer, maybe? What do you think? Yeah, she was around there. She was she's, very she's good. Probably like, a hundred, like 100 pounds, probably. In any case, where, where she finally bedded down and expired was at the about a third of the way down a very, very sharp hill i'm not exaggerating when i say that this hill was probably like a 35 degree angle i mean it, it was steep right it was it was one it's one of those hills you more so crawl up than walk you know and there was and, a fence she, there was a fence and we should also mention she was probably 100 pounds post field dressing like she was she was big oh yeah, she, yeah she's like, mm-hmm. a big fatty fat and there so, were briars oh my everywhere gosh. It, it was, i remember <laughs> it was <laughs> my so... skin remembers it was so inconsiderate of her it <laughs> to, was to bed down there uh what we ended up doing was after we went down and you know you know checked her out made sure uh everything was everything was copacetic i tried grabbing a leg and dragging her up and it just wasn't working then john elliott came down he grabbed another one of the legs we both tried pulling it up and it just wasn't working we, we got we got her like halfway up the hill basically and then at that point we were like okay we have to we have to get a rope around her so and, I, and I me like down. a good brother yeah was managing yeah. i was watching you do all this from, work from the top of the hill he was like wow that looks was, hard hey, you guys are you guys need to get yeah you need to go to the gym that that doesn't look too hard no but um <laughs> we so i was shining the light i had a very important job it just wasn't the working job until yeah. now it actually so, was because this was about 10 30 at this point by the time we tracked her down it was uh, uh it was late but it was it was late this is a good reason to have some 550 paracord in your pack it can be used for a bajillion different things. And we used mine for this. We threw some of it down. We tied well, the little uh, honky. We didn't use that shoe, sh- shoe string crap. I used my. Oh, oh my, pause. I thought we used a 550. I no, no, my, cut that out. If it's not right, cut that out. My bad. I used my thick boy cord because if we used 550, we would have like, <laughs> we would have absolutely cut into our hands. Oh, no, they, they completely, completely cut out what I said. That was my bad. I just misremembered. Matt, take uh, it away. Wait a lie. <laughs> my, my bad. Mm. Mm. Oh, it was it was that uh, it was that red cord, you know, that I have in my back, that red stuff. Um, I I have that I have red colored rope, so you can't see the blood stains. That sounds like something a psychopath would say. <laughs> yeah, you said a lot of really psycho. Like, I don't like this. I don't like this side of you. I need to talk I, to my sister about this. Yeah, you, you probably I should. Like it. Should I kind of like it? Can she stay with you for a couple of days? That's probably best. <laughs> I mean, I yeah, it's. I'll have her draw up some papers. It's not looking good. Yeah, no, no. I, 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 I'm on your side on this one. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm a monster. <laughs> I'm, I'm insane. Go ahead, buddy. No, Sorry. No, everything I'm saying, I'm being ironic. Okay, jeez. All right. Um, so we, we, got, we had to get a rope around, uh, rope around her legs. Then we tied her two uh, hind legs together. Mm-hmm. Two back legs, because you destroyed the two front legs. <sighs> Gone. Ash. <laughs> this powder looked like salt i thanos to those front legs <laughs> he, all he did was and it was gone <laughs> oh you laugh or you cry right boys anyway well, it's one or the other we got the rope around i think it was right above her knees because that was a nice knobby point to get it looped around did a little um i think it is a 
from my Boy Scouting days, a double half clover knot is my go-to nerd. knot. Yeah, yeah, boy. Uh, nerd. Double half clover, little little uh, little snatch knot. I love it. Wouldn't a double half clover just make one clover? Yeah, I wasn't ever clear on that. I wasn't a very good Boy Scout. I never said that. <laughs> this is dumb. <laughs> and so we pulled her up to the top of the hill there at the top there was a little a little bit of a cart path a nice level ground and that's where we removed the guts then got her loaded up on the back of the golf cart that we had to get her transported down and we field dressed her down uh, god bless that golf cart oh my gosh pulling double duty yeah let's uh i'll, I'll just uh clarify here it's not the golf cart that you'll take on on a fairway it's it's a Big old meaty off-roading golf cart. So uh, she's a little uglier than your PGA Tour golf cart. She's not pretty, but by God, she is built like a brick shit house. <laughs> <laughs> she put in the work. That's for sure. <laughs> Putting in the work. Oh, it's a double half hitch. Double half hitch knot is, is what I was trying oh, to say. No good more knots. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, every every single every single deer that I've dressed or help you guys dress by hanging it up has been hung up with a double half hitch knot. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Do like a quadruple square knot. It works. Uh, that's that, that's for savages. You can't. You I just can't tie sl- like a bunch of shoe knots until it doesn't get loose. <laughs> it works as as the, as the son of a naval man and a as an eagle scout your words offend me i take offense to what you just said grow yeah. up the offense was meant so. <sighs> it was meant thank you john elliott oh yeah absolutely anytime buddy anyway so that that was a situation where you know we had to adapt to what we were dealing with we had it, it was it was a real slog we i felt like jean valjean during his internment at that french prison camp as we slogged and pulled this deer up the hill, uh, there was a bunch of briars that we had to push through. And, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, your pants are not thick enough and the briars are just going to get you. There was a barbed wire fence that we had to pull the deer through. And that was a huge, huge challenge. And I, I frankly don't know how I would have ever done it if I hadn't had my brothers there with me. Oh, yeah. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you feel that's, bad? That's Should have got my knots nice. Oh, bitch. <laughs> nope. Oh, bitch. But but if you are <laughs> but if you are a lonely guy, like like I will Sorry, mom. Like I will undoubtedly be in my later years. One hundred percent. You might want to get like some some pulleys and like a snatch block or something to uh, to help facilitate pulling deers up hills. Otherwise, you'll just never you'll just never get the deer out of there. So that that is my tale from the trail. The challenge of pulling a deer up the up a hill through briars uh, after dark. After dark, and you know we used every bit of our our know how, and really just like we just had to put our backs into it. Is really what it came. Yeah, we just kind of had to man it. Just had <laughs> yeah, to, just had to man up in that situation. That that's all about. That's part of paying respect to the animal. You know, we, we talk about that a little bit in other episodes. Hunting is fun. It's not always easy, it, even when you're successful. Honestly, that's where the hard work begins, really. And mm-hmm. if you want to call it quits, you want to be like, ah, oh, that deer is too far down there. That, that's just that's just a crappy way to be. And it's, it's counter to like the whole reason that I that I wanted to get in hunting in the first place. So you want to put in the effort, you want to do the hard thing, you want to do it right. You want to use the double half hitch because that's the best knot. So I don't know about that. You brought up a good <laughs> point about it being a paramount part of the hunt and showing respect to the animal and uh, you mentioned earlier we had to track your deer a bit mm-hmm. it is it is a nerve-wracking feeling and we're going to do an entire episode about about tracking deer kind of what that looks like what to look for stuff like that but it'll make you sick yeah it, it is you can't find your deer especially if you lose the trail which we did it is it's a gut punch yeah Be, being able to do what we did and find this deer dispatch it and haul it up and field dress it and it's just it's the most respectful thing f- for the animal like if you if you take a shot at an animal and hit it you need to go find it mm-hmm. uh one thing that we all learned that night um from an experienced hunter uh the property owner that we were hunting on if you lose the trail usually it means nine times out of ten it means that deer is within probably a hundred yards of where wherever you lost that trail because that means the bleeding has pretty much stopped 
Uh, and if it's stopped, if you know that you've like mortally wounded that deer, if the bleeding stops, you're going to find it bedded down somewhere, either already dead or close to it. If you nicked it on, you know, like the hind quarter or something like that, and you know that you didn't even hurt it all that bad and you lose the blood trail, most likely you're probably going to lose it pretty early on. Um, and there's not going to be that much blood anyway, but with this particular deer, there was a lot of blood and we followed it for probably a good, I mean, we were going in circles, but it was probably a good quarter mile. Yep. Yep. At least a quarter mile Mm -hmm. following that blood trail. And then, you know, we just could not find this deer. And so we ended up calling the property owner and he told us, he was like, Hey, go back to where you last saw that drop of blood and look around there i guarantee you she's there and uh lo and behold would you say she was about uh 80 or 90 yards from that one spot just up a hill oh less than so she was and i I remember i remember that conversation the property owner told us uh you know just go and check usually what happens is if they are going to bed down they're going to crest over if they're running up a hill they're going to just crest over the top of the hill And they're going to bed down like just on the far side because that's where they feel safe. They kind of feel like they're out of the line of sight of where they came from and they have like a direct means of escape. Even if they're never going to stand up again, that's that's their kind of that's their thought process. And where we lost the blood trail as like the sun was setting was, I think, about 35 yards from where we ended up finding her. My issue at the time was that I thought that she had crested her final hill. And it was bedded down somewhere over there. Uh, and so I kept on going down and down and down the hill that we were on uh, to try and Full find her. Oh, my gosh. I, <laughs> you, like, you, you, can, you can ask these guys. I was, ruined I was my a, pants. <laughs> yep, ruined mine, too. I was a man possessed that evening. I was like, I have to find this deer. Because John Elliott's 100% right. It, it is a gut-wrenching feeling. But as it turns out, she continued up the hill, crested over the hill, went up a, a second rise that I hadn't considered that she would have gone over. And that's where she bedded down, just on the far side, about 10 yards down from the crest of that hill, exactly where the property owner said she'd be. And I remember when the property owner told us to do that, and we just got off the golf cart going back up that hill where we saw that blood. We found her within, I don't know, two minutes of getting off the golf cart and starting the search again. It probably wasn't even that. And Mike, good eye, you're the one that uh, saw her. It's because I had a headlamp, the only headlamp. Oh, yeah. I, I left mine in my bag back at the stand. <laughs> you, guys left, you guys ran down the trees without your bag and just left all your crap. It was silly, man. It was it was silly. And, you know, it just goes to show you got to keep your head on a swivel, keep your eyes open, keep your mouth shut when you're in the woods and you'll see more things than you'd expect to see because the deer was not in a place we expected. Absolutely. With that, one of our favorite segments, don't fear, we've got the gear we got it bro we got it we got the gear baby girl something you're going to hear about in this episode the one word you're going to hear for don't forget you got the gear is vortex vortex optics we are hortex for vortex that is fantastic (laughs) say it again so welcome to don't fear we've got the gear the word you're going to hear the most today is vortex optics that being said, we are not sponsored by them or any of the products we mentioned, but we could be. We could be. More's Vortex. the pity. Vortex, please. Grab one of those optics, Vortex, and take a look at us <laughs> in high <laughs> definition. Well, grab a hold of the ergonomic grips and, and get us into focus at speedy precision with your Vortex glasses and look at us. Those nitrogen blasted anti fog lenses. Take a look. They at are us. not going to listen to this if you keep going. <laughs> Filled at the factory with pure nitrogen to cut down on the fogging factor. Vortex. <laughs> vortex optics the only choice for the serious hunter but yeah whatever so it's it's casual it's we're we're a big fan of vortex optics so the optics you hear about us talk about today just happen to all be vortex optics that being said my binoculars are vortex diamondback 10 by 42 binoculars 10 by 42 is a great all-around hunting binocular um in my opinion Vortex glass is unparalleled compared to other binoculars. 
their lifetime warranty is ridiculous. You could run over this thing with a truck, send them a picture or video of you doing it, and they'll probably send you a new pair. I'm not saying they will, but they might. (laughs) Their their lifetime warranty is really, really good. And the product that they put out is outstanding. Um, We'll talk a little bit in another episode about kind of urban hunting and kind of what that entails. But even in urban hunts, I use my binoculars every hunt. They are that good. And it is honestly that important to have a good pair of binoculars with you. Some of the features, fully multi-coated, literally, they're shockproof guys. Like you can chuck these things. They're not going to break. At least I don't break them. And I'm a big clumsy oaf. Bull in a mm-hmm. giant shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It is like they will tell you I am not graceful. Like, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> like I'm the opposite of that. And these binoculars hold up to everything. Uh, their glass is super clear. Um, I love them a lot. I, I hope you guys find something that you like if it's not Vortex, but I'm a big Vortex fan. So that's pretty much the same thing with me. Um, I went with the Vortex Crossfire HD. They're also 10 by 42. I've, I agree with you, Mike. I think that the 10 by 42 is the best all around zoom, especially where we hunt. It's usually some pretty dense woods um yeah you you don't want something that's too powerful because then i mean you could be looking right at a deer that's at 40 yards and you can't find it because you look Mm -hmm. through your binoculars and you're staring at a ant that's on a leaf right on a small shrub i've got a buddy who uses eight eight by i don't know eight by 30 something i think is the next lower it doesn't seem as powerful and i got another friend who uses 12 by 50 which just for the kind of hunting we do just doesn't, I don't know. I don't think it lends itself super well. It could, it definitely works, but I definitely a big fan of 10 by 42. Me, me as well. I am not exactly sure what the difference is between the diamondback and the crossfire. Uh, I do know that the crossfire is a little bit more affordable. Um, so for example, at Dick's sporting goods, they're going to run you about $160. Um, mine, they have the, uh, camo print on it and it came with its, um, own little carrying case slash harness. And they have basically the same features as Mike described with his diamondback. So they're shockproof. They have anti-fogged glass. It's high definition. You know, it's, it's just really, really high quality stuff i know we just went on a big rant about vortex find what works for you and make it work for you even more it's all about getting comfortable with your equipment trying different equipment you're gonna have different equipment like different optics and stuff like that when you're hunting east coast woodlands as opposed to westland grasslands you know it just depends on the hunt i've never hunted out west but i guarantee if i did i'd probably pick up a different pair of binoculars another good brand is loophole loophole is ridiculous Yes, I would put them right up there with Vortex. They are my rangefinders are loophole. Yep, they're they're just fantastic. You know, all all these all these different brands are really big in equality, and so it's it's that's why one pair can't really beat the other one. It just all comes down to your personal preference. Mm-hmm. It comes down to preference. It comes down to um, just what you like. So these guys have been talking about Vortex. Well, surprise, surprise, I'm going to talk about Vortex 2. The scope that I use is a Crossfire 2, 3.9 by 40 millimeter. It's not a terribly powerful scope. When I was doing research into my particular rifle, I was looking at the like most effective ranges that my rifle would be uh, best at shooting at. And I found that my little 30-30... Uh, lever action Winchester was most effective, you know, at a certain yardage range. And basically I wasn't going to get much more out of my rifle despite having a better scope. So I ended up going with the Crossfire 2, which I think JE touched on when I bought mine. It was about 160, but right now I'm looking at it on Vortex's website. It's going for about 200 MSRP. So if you get one for less than that, that's probably a pretty good deal. So for my taste, I know that there are better scopes out there. Uh, the, Vor- the Vortex brand is very good. It comes with that nice warranty, and that's definitely worth picking up a Vor- Vortex brand product for that reason alone. I know that the Vortex makes better scopes, more powerful ones and everything, but this suited my rifle pretty well. And I'll also be honest, at the time I was looking, I had a certain price I was willing to spend on a new scope. 
and I went with this one. I think that you always look for buying an inexpensive thing before you buy it. And then after the fact, you're like, hmm, maybe I should have just spent the extra 50 bucks and gotten this one instead. Exactly. <laughs> that often is the way of it. But all, all things considered, I'm still pretty content with my scope. I had to get a new one because as we were driving around, uh, I dropped my rifle <laughs> out of the golf cart. Yeah, thanks thanks for the commiseration, guys. Just fucking laughing like, a, like Beavis and Butthead over here. It was funny. It was like, uh, yeah, he dropped his rifle. <laughs> <laughs> the scope was bent at like a 10 degree angle. And I was like, I'm going to just bend this back straight and hopefully the zero is good. <laughs> <laughs> like and, a maniac and mike you're like absolutely not dude like do not use that again dude, don't use that thing and you're gonna it. shoot it's gonna hit some some barn <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah so I had, I had to pick up a new scope because of that reason and i went with vortex because we we laud it's uh the manufacturer its properties and all the optics we use from it so yeah very satisfied with my vortex scope so far so that's don't fear we got the gear and before we get into some listener questions, we have an announcement to make. That's right. I'm going to let the voice take this one. That, that would be you, Matt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Members of Brothers of the Hunt Nation, you special enlightened few, we have an exciting opportunity. So exciting. So exciting. Perhaps you have been wandering about, you say to yourself, I love the Brothers of the Hunt podcast. I've listened to the past three episodes. I would choose it over my family. I would choose it over <laughs> my family. <laughs> and I listened to the past three episodes on repeat. I cannot wait for episode four to come out. And here it is finally has come. I've got the watch party going. I'm sitting down with my friends. We're all listening to Brothers in the Hunt. But oh goodness, how do we represent to one another our love for this podcast? If I, if I see a fellow Brothers of the Hunt listener in public, how am I going to recognize them on site? The answer are the new hats we're going to make. It's hats. That's Little decoration for your dome piece. We're making dome decorators with the Brothers <laughs> of the Hunt logo. That, that beautiful, crisp deer and Brothers of the Hunt uh, logo that you see on all of your podcasting apps, wherever you get your podcast, you'll see that logo can be found on your forehead. It'll be perfect for wearing about town. It'll be perfect for wearing in the tree stand. People ask you, hey, what's that? You have an opportunity to say, hey, listen to these three idiots talk about deer. The hat is going to be available for sale. We're going to be getting that ready to go. And hopefully by the next episode, we're going to have some details for you on where you can pick one up. We're also going to have a giveaway of some kind when the hats come out. Stay tuned on Instagram for more details about that. And just to let you all know, the quality of them are Richardson quality. We'll just leave it at that. Richardson quality. Which Richardson quality. We want our listeners to look good and Richardson's the way to go. For our discerning palates, we I I personally, John Elliott, I only put Richardson on my head. Like I've got a Same hot here. head. I got a hot head. I got to get some ventilation in there. Absolutely. Once you go Richardson, you never go back. You truly can't. You truly can't. <laughs> that being said, we are not sponsored by Richardson hats. <laughs> but We'd love to. You could fill <laughs> libraries with the names of companies that aren't sponsoring us. How about we start filling libraries with the names of companies that do sponsor us? Olympic <laughs> swimming pools with the names that don't sponsor. It's okay. <laughs> anyway, so uh, look forward to that. I certainly am. I'm looking forward to wearing one while I sleep. And then put then, I, then when I wake up, I'll take off that hat and put on my day hat. <laughs> I'm going to need at least two Brothers of the Hunt hats myself. So stay tuned for more information on that, guys. Okay, everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Brothers the Hunt. I hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed making it. Uh, if you have any questions you want to submit, please submit them at matt at brothersofthehunt.com. Again, that's Matt, your favorite host, matt at oh. brothersofthehunt.com. Or you can go to our website where you can submit questions through the form fillable thing at the bottom of the page or submit questions directly to our DMs at three brothers of the hunt on Instagram. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Brothers of the Hunt. And I do believe that the next time we drop an episode, some of us and some of you will have already been out in the woods for an urban archery hunt. Very true. Oh, that's so exciting. So, so exciting. 
It is, absolutely. So well, some good tales for y'all. Be sure to review all of our podcasts, get some good direction, and happy hunting. I'm Matt, your favorite host. I'm Mike, the host that tells the truth. And I'm J.E. I'm the best looking host and the one with the most anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all so much for tuning in. We'll see you next time.